So this morning we're going to talk a little bit about um, Philippians 4.13. And this is a verse, if you looked to this verse, or you asked, and you went into the city of Wheeler this morning, and you asked people what their favorite, favorite verse was. We got it? There we go. Okay, thank you guys. Sorry about that, guys. First, or Philippians 4.13 is a verse, if you were go, to go into really any city, including Wheeler this morning, and you said, what was your favorite verse out of the Bible? Most people would have this verse in the top five, maybe top three. Most people would say, this is my favorite verse of all time. It's a verse that when you look at it and you read it, it says, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. That's uplifting. When you, when you read that verse, that's uplifting because really you think about what that's saying and you look at that verse and you read it, it says that I can accomplish anything. I can do whatever I please. Whatever dream that I have for myself, I can accomplish it through Christ. And that's very uplifting, isn't it? I don't know if you remember this guy a few years back. His name was Tim Tebow. He was a pretty good college football player. Pretty good. He was, I would say he was maybe one of the best. But every time he would go out and every time he would play a game, he would have his eye black. And under his eye black, it would say Philippians 4.13. Now, you look at a person like that and you think about the power that he has, the pull that he has. And it was a great thing that he was talking about Christ. That was a great thing. And he would claim this verse, and he would go out, and he would go win games. I can do all things through Christ who strengtheneth me. I'm not much of a UFC fan. Some of you may be. But I saw this guy, and on his chest he has a tattoo, and it says Philippians 4.13. And I guess you can basically beat up whoever you want as long as Christ is with you, right? You know, we talk about this with sports because sports are on our mind. A lot of us like to watch sports, but it's not only a thing that we see in sports. Preachers are talking about this verse and using it this way. It says, it is poss this is Joel Osteen. Many of you know who this is. It said, it is possible to see your dreams fulfilled. It is possible to overcome that obstacle. It is possible to climb to new heights. It is possible to embrace your destiny. You may not know how it will take place. You may not have a plan. But all you have to know is that if God said you can, you can. Today, why don't you begin to open yourself up to possibilities in your future by simply declaring this verse. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. What an uplifting verse, right? You have a dream. You want to accomplish something. You want to go get that new job. You can do it through Christ. You know, I think about this and, and thinking about this interpretation... I'm going to take you guys, some of you guys, on a, a trip back in time. When I was a kid, I, my favorite cartoon was this cartoon called He-Man. And I don't know if many of you remember that. I see Britt. He's over there smiling. I'm sure he does. But He-Man was this, I guess he was, and, and again, this was probably 33 years ago. So if I get something wrong about this man, just don't hold it against me. But He-Man was this guy, and he would go out, and he would fight the bad guys. But before he could have the power, he would hold up his sword, and lightning would strike it. He says, by the power of Grayskull, I have the power. And I kind of feel like that this 
is how this verse is used in the religious world today. That whatever I put my mind to, whatever I want to do, whatever my dream is, I can accomplish that through Christ who strengthens me. Maybe I need to aim a little bit higher with my goals, with my dreams. You know, I always thought when I was a kid that it would be pretty cool to win the Super Bowl. You know, I hear Tom Brady might be retiring. Maybe I could go take his place. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Better than that, I think I want to buy this house and pay it off by the end of the year. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Better than that, I want to retire by the end of 2021. I like my job, but if you tell me I can retire tomorrow, I'm going to take you up on that offer. You know, these are extreme examples, but where do we draw the line when looking at Philippians 4.13? Where do we draw the line in what we can accomplish and what we can do if we have this interpretation of this verse? This morning, I want to look at this verse, and I want to see if this is what Paul is actually talking about when we think about Philippians 4.13. I believe this is not at all what Paul is trying to say when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So what is, the, what is wrong with this interpretation? First of all, I believe that it removes the will of God. I believe when we look at first, uh, Philippians 4.13 and it says, I can do all things, we start thinking about what we want and what we desire and what we would have that would make us happy. And we forget what God would have us to do. You look at James chapter 4 and verse 2. He says, ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. You fight and war, yet ye have not because ye ask not. Ye ask and receive not because ye ask amiss that ye may consume it upon your lust. You know the problem with trying to follow our hearts and trying to do what we want to do? Is that we forget God. And it comes all about what we want in this world. It, comes, it becomes all about our popularity, our fame, our comfort. And we forget that God has a job for us to do. And I feel that Philippians 4.13, taken out of context, as we'll talk here in a minute, leads us to live a life guided by the world. You look at 1 John 5 and verse 14, it says, And this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. And if we know that he hears us whatsoever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we desired of him. The key words here are according to his will. Not according to my will, not what I want, not what I desire, but it's according to God's will. And when we take this interpretation, we start looking at it as what I want. And it takes God and his will out of the equation. And I think that pushes us, us to be self-centered. I think that pushes us to focus on us and not God. You know, it's easy for us as humans to do what we want to do or to seek our own. Because that's our nature, isn't it? But I think the psalmist has the right idea in Psalms 119 and verse 36 where he says, Turn my heart towards your statutes and not toward selfish gain. 
The problem with looking at Philippians 4.13 from the view that we just looked at it in is that it's usually used in a way that's all about us. Whether I want to win that game or whether I want to get that dream job. And it becomes all about us. And Christ is totally removed from that equation. You know, Ephesians 2 and verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. We are God's workmanship. Our job here on this earth is not to seek our own, is not to find comfort for ourselves, but instead it's to, to further the kingdom of God. And I have a hard time believing that that verse would tell us to go seek out what we want. Not only that, I believe that if you look at it through this interpretation, I believe that it can be a huge letdown and it can be a huge setback. Let me throw this situation out to you this morning. Let's just say that I do become the next quarterback for Tampa Bay. And I go out and I have Philippians 4.13 on my eye black. And I'm ready to go. And I, I get out there and I'm about to, we're, we're about to get it started. And I look across the defensive line. And I see a linebacker waiting to take my head off. And it just so happens that he also has Philippians 4.13 under his eye black. Who's God going to pick? What choice is he going to make? What happens if I put so much faith in that verse that I can do whatever I want to do? I can accomplish anything I want to accomplish. And then all of a sudden it doesn't happen. That's a huge setback for a lot of people. That could be a huge letdown. That can cause people to turn their backs on God. It's a, it could be a very dangerous interpretation and we've got to be careful with how we look at that because the fact is is we are expected as Christians when we fail to get back up to keep going Proverbs 24 16 it says the righteous may fall seven times but still get up but the wicked will stumble into trouble it's an expectation for us as Christians that when we fail that when we do something that we shouldn't do or we make a mistake that we get back up and we serve God still but if we put our all of our faith and our hope in a verse that says we can do all things through Christ and then that doesn't happen what happens to our heart it can be a very dangerous interpretation of this verse. I'm going to tell you. and I, I'm a high school teacher. I teach high school. So memes are a thing for me. Kids love memes. And I kind of live there. That's, that's what I experience. And I, 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 I. Sometimes I think that they can. Give you a good view on, on real life. And I, I just happen to find this one. Because I think when we look at. I can do all things. It's all about context. It's all about what surrounds that verse. And I found this meme here. And in this meme, you have two pictures. You have a picture of a little girl consoling another little girl who's obviously sad. And she's saying, I'm here for you. But then you've got, I think it's Boba Fett. I can't remember his name. But 
It says, I'm here for you. We're talking about two of the same phrases, the exact same wordings. We even have periods at the end of both. But they mean two totally different things. It's all about context, is it? When you look at these pictures, you know what they're saying. You know what's happening. You know what they mean by, I'm here for you. One is good and one is not. Yeah, I think when we look at this verse, we need to understand the context of what Paul is talking about when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. So I want to back up and I want to look at the verses that are just prior to verse 13. We're going to start in verse 10. Philippians 4 verse 10, he says, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly, that now at last your care for me hath flourished again, wherein ye were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Not that I, I speak in respect of want, for I have learned, in whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content. I know both how to be abased, I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, or which strengtheneth me. When you look at it with its context, it means something totally opposite from what the religious world would tell you that verse means today. When you understand what Paul was going through, when you understand the situation that Paul was in when he said this, it, it puts a whole new light on this verse. What he's saying here is no matter what I go through, I can have plenty, I could be lacking, I could be hungry, or I could have more than enough, but no matter what I go through, I can endure it through Christ who strengthens me. Now some people might think, well that, that was a good verse, I liked it. But I think if you interpret it in the right way, it gives it all the more meaning, all the more importance in uplifting us as Christians, especially when we hit those hard times in life. So what exactly is Paul teaching us when he says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me? You know, I think to truly understand what he's wanting to get across, again, we have to understand where he is when he's writing this, what position he's in when he, when he makes this statement. You see, Paul wasn't striving to accomplish any goal like winning a game or buying a house. Paul was sitting in a prison, persecuted for what he believed, for his willingness to spread the gospel. Kind of gives you a different perspective of what's happening here, doesn't it? Paul was being persecuted. And we see in Philippians chapter 1 and verse 12, his mindset. He says, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. It's amazing, isn't it? He's saying, I'm sitting here in prison, but what I want you to know is that it's helping spread the gospel he goes on to say so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for christ and most of the brothers having become confident in the lord by my imprisonment are much more bold to speak the word without fear so he's saying my suffering i'm okay with you know why 
because the gospel's being spread, and my brothers are able to speak the word without fear. You see, he saw his plight, he saw his persecution as an opportunity to spread the gospel. We think about Paul, we think about the thorn in the flesh, we think about what we just read, how he experienced both hunger and being filled, how he experienced a lack of support, how he experienced abundance and need. And he's saying, no matter what I went through, the good or the bad, I was able to endure that through Christ. It changes that verse totally. But again, I feel it's so much more uplifting when you actually look at it in the context. So again, what is Paul trying to teach us? What is he trying to get across to us when he says this? And what we have to understand is that Paul endured trials. I think at times when we think we become a Christian, things are going to get easier for us. But I think scripture tells us that it's the opposite of that. When we become a Christian, we have to give up the things that we once participated in. Maybe some things that we loved. We might have to sever relationships that we can't be a part of anymore. We were never promised that the life of a Christian would be an easy life. But you think of Philippians 4.13 taken out of context... Couldn't you just skip over the trials? Maybe you wouldn't even have to endure them through Christ, right? But what we know is that Paul endured trials. We know he went through a lot. If you look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, I'm not going to read this whole thing, but we have a whole laundry list of things that Paul went through and how he suffered. He says, in labors more abundant, in stripes above measure, in prisons more frequent, in deaths oft of the Jews. Five times received I forty stripes, save one. Thrice I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Thrice I suffered, I suffered shipwreck. A night and a day have I been in the deep. And we could go on and on and on. And we can understand that Paul did not have an easy life. In fact, we can understand that once Paul became a Christian... That his life on here, here on earth got a lot harder. That he was in much more danger. That he had more and more people that hated him. You see, Paul still endured trials. He still went through the tough times. But it's all about endurance, isn't it? It's all about being able to, to endure those tough times and still have your focus on Jesus Christ. Hebrews chapter 10 and 36 it says, "For you have need of endurance, so that when you have when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised." It's all about endurance, right? It's all about when you get to the tough times in life or even the good times that you know how to continue to live a life dedicated to Jesus Christ. You look at Paul once again, 2 Corinthians 12 and verse 7, it talks about his thorn in the flesh. And we don't know what that is, but we know it's something that he did not want to have to live with. In fact, it says three times that he prayed that that thorn in the flesh would be removed from him. Three times. And here was the response that he was given. It says, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect 
in weakness. Sometimes we go through hard things in life, things that we don't want to endure. And unfortunately, sometimes that's enough to cause people to turn their backs on God, isn't it? But that's not what Paul did. Paul's response, he says, therefore I will boast all the more gladly of my weaknesses so that the power of Christ may rest upon me. He says, I'm going to take the things that trouble me in life. I'm going to take this thorn in the flesh, even though I don't want it. I'm going to take it and I'm going to use it to glorify God. See, Paul still endured trials, but it was all about how he handled the trials. It's all about how he worked through those tough times and the good times. And what we have to understand about Paul is that contentment was the key. That no matter what he went through, no matter what he experienced, he was able to endure those things by being content with what he had. You know, Philippians 4 and 11, just previously in this verse we read this, it says, Not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So what this verse tells me is not that Paul was born with this crazy ability to be content in any situation, but instead it was something that he learned. It was something that he had to build up as he lived his life, something that he had to become better at. And it's hard to be content when things are going wrong. It's pretty easy to be content when things are good, right? But I think too many times we're content with the wrong things. But it's pretty hard sometimes to be content when, every, when our world is crashing down around us. That's pretty tough, isn't it? You know, I'm going to be open with you guys. One thing that I struggle with in my life is anxiety. And if, if you've been in Amarillo and you've heard me talk, I bring this up quite a bit. But I, I stress about stuff. And it's something that I've had to work with. And my daughter, she got the gene from me. So we work through that together. But when things get tough, it's hard for me, and I stress, and I worry, and I have to go to the book of Philippians, and I do a lot of studying here because I think we can learn so much. If you look at the book of Philippians, it's all about Paul finding joy in Christ. Where do I seek my joy? Too many times I'm afraid it's not in what I need to seek it in. Too many times it's in worldly things, and that's what causes my anxiousness. That's what causes me to be stressed. But Paul gives us some direction in, in chapter 4 and verse 8. He says, finally, brothers, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is just, whatever is poor, pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is commendable, if there is any excellence, if there is anything worthy of praise, think about these things. He's saying, take your focus off of the negative. Take your focus off of the worldly things and put your focus on Christ. He goes on to say, what you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things, and the God of peace will be with you. He's saying, practice those things. Put your focus on those things. And when you do that, you can have peace. You can be content no matter what is happening in your life. You know, I'm always amazed at those people that we all know who it seems like their life is just crashing down. Maybe they're facing a terminal illness. Maybe they've lost everything in a fire. Maybe they've lost a loved one, but they still continue to serve God, no matter what. That's uplifting, isn't it? 
It's because they have the right focus. It's because they found contentment in something else than the world. They found it in Jesus Christ, just like Paul did. But contentment was the key for Paul. Matthew 6, 21, this is a very familiar verse to us. It says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. It's all about where our heart is. What is our priority? What is our focus? Can we today be content with losing everything and still having Jesus Christ? I hope so. That should be our goal. But the fact is, is Paul's central focus was Christ. And that's how he was content. That's how he learned to be content, was by putting his focus and his priorities in Jesus Christ. I meant to make this a little bigger, so I apologize. hope you can see this. This is Paul talking in Philippians chapter 3 and verse 10. But, you know, no matter how hard things got for Paul, no matter what he went through, Christ was always his focus. And I think that helped him endure. That helped him remain steadfast. That helped him to continue to serve God no matter what. And we see in verse 10, it says that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. If by any means I might obtain unto the resurrection of the dead, not as though I had already attained, either were already perfect, but I follow after. If that I, I may apprehend that which also I am apprehended of Christ Jesus. Brethren, I count not myself to have apprehended, but this one thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forth unto those things which are before. Now listen to this. He says, I press toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. He says, I forget the past. I don't focus on the past. He says, my focus, my priority, what I live for is Jesus Christ. And that's what I'm striving for. That's how I'm living my life. That's what Paul is saying here. Is that his focus was on Christ. And because of that, he was able to endure. He was able to make it through those tough times and the good times. You know, we know about Paul, don't we? We know where his focus was. We know where his priorities were. Galatians 2.20, it says, I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live in the flesh. I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. He says, no longer is it about me. No longer is it about what I want. No longer is it about what I covet after or lust after. My life is directed by Jesus Christ, and that's my focus. That's how I live my life. You know, I think of Matthew 13 when we think of the pearl of great price. And I think Paul exemplifies this. I think if you're looking for a man who exemplifies somebody who searches out and gives up everything for Jesus Christ is Paul and for the church is Paul. Matthew 13, 44, it says, the, again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a treasure hid in the field, the which when a man hath found, he hideth for joy thereof, goeth and selleth all that he hath and buyeth the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is likened to a merchant man seeking goodly pearls, whom when he found the one pearl of great price, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Paul put everything into serving Christ. He gave up everything. He, he turned his whole life around to serve Jesus Christ. And from that point forward, from the point he was converted on, 
He was a champion for Christ. He was a champion for the church. He found his pearl. And the question is this morning, have we found our pearl of great price? Where is our focus this morning? So as we look at this verse, what can we learn from it? I think the first thing we have to understand is what the word do actually means. And I'm going to tell you, I feel like I'm 30, I'm almost 39, and I feel like I have a pretty good handle on what the word do means, but have you ever looked it up in a dictionary? It's like verse after verse after verse after verse. I'm thinking, how can this two-letter word mean that many things? But I think it's important for us to understand what do actually means. When you look at the dictionary, it falls into basically two categories. The first category would be group A, what, what we're going to call group A, which is to f- perform, to execute, to accomplish, to render, to bring into being. That sounds a lot like that first interpretation. When we just look at Philippians 4.13 and we look at it without its context, that sounds pretty familiar, doesn't it? That would lead us to believe that this is what do means. But there's another category if you're looking at that, and it basically says to serve, to suffice, to endure. And when you look at the context that surrounds Philippians 4.13, where he talks about being brought low or abounding by having plenty or, or being hungry, by having abundance or being in need, it seems like what he's talking about refers more to group B. I can serve how I need to. Through Christ who strengthens me. I can suffice through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure whatever I have to through Christ who strengthens me. Seems like that's the, the definition that we're looking at here when we look at the actual context of Philippians 4.13. And I think that leads us to understand in our lives that we can endure whatever we have to. We can endure the tough times through Christ. The fact is, is I can hunger through Christ who strengthens me. I can endure devastation through Christ who strengthens me. You know, when I first gave this lesson, I was looking back and I remember talking about, first of all, let me give you some some context to this story. I gave this lesson January of 2020. I had no clue what was about to happen. And I remember at the first of the year, this guy backed into my truck, and it had just happened, and I gave this lesson the next Sunday. And man, I thought, man, that's, I have to deal with insurance, I have to go through all this. But then I look at what happened about two months later, the fact that we were shut down and locked down for months and months and months. But the fact is, is no matter what we go through, no matter what trials that come into our lives, we can endure that. Through Christ. We can make it through. We can still have a focus on Jesus Christ. You know, Romans 8.35, I think, echoes Philippians 4.13 in a way. He says, "Who, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for thy sake we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things we are more than conquerors. Through Christ Jesus, or through him that loved us. We're more than conquerors, and we can be more than conquerors through Christ. But it's all about where our focus is. Is our focus on us? 
Or is our focus on Christ? Are we so stressed and worried about what's happening during those troubling times? Or do we see the hope that we have through the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ? Because if that's where our hope is, we can make it through anything. If our hope is in Jesus Christ, we can endure no matter what happens to us. I think Romans 12 and 12 is kind of a recipe for these tough times. A recipe that we can use and we can apply to our lives. He says, be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, and faithful in prayer. When we get to those times where we're pushed to the limit, where we're stressing, where it seems, once again, our world is falling, falling down around us, we need to be joyful and have joy because of the hope that's offered through Jesus Christ. Be patient knowing that it's only going to last a short amount of time. And finally, continue in prayer. I think that's a good recipe and something for us to think about when those tough times come in our lives. Not only that, I think we can handle the good times. We think the good times, everything's good. But I'm going to tell you, in my life, when I feel sometimes the farthest away from Jesus Christ... When my prayer life suffers the most, when I don't study as much as I should, it's when things are going pretty well. Sometimes it can be hard to handle the good, too, just like it's hard to handle the bad. But we can handle the good times through Christ. We can learn to be content with what we have. We can continue to pray and study and make that something that we're dedicated to on a daily basis. But I think one of the biggest things is we can find others to serve. Sometimes the most humbling thing we can do is go serve somebody who needs our help. Again, it's all about our perspective in the good and the bad. Where is our focus? It has to be on Christ. But I think finally we must live a Christ-centered life. And I think this kind of sums up everything we've talked about this morning. It's all about where's our focus? What are we thankful for? Where's our hope? Because if our hope's built on worldly things, those things can be gone in a second. But if our hope is built on Jesus Christ, that's something that we'll have forever. It's something that we can rely on forever. Because the fact is, is Jesus Christ is the source of everything we are. He created us. John chapter 1 verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. Every good gift comes from Him. James 1 and verse 17, it says, Every good, good gift and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom is no variableness, neither shadow of turning. I think when we think of the, the good gifts, a lot of times we are just kind of trained to think about the physical, right? But think about the spiritual gifts that come through Jesus Christ. Because those physical things, just like we talked about, could be gone in a second. But we have promises from Jesus Christ that will last an eternity. Finally, a, a godly life can only come through him and through his word. Second Peter 1 and verse 3, it says, According as his divine power hath given us to all things that pertain unto life and godliness, 
through the knowledge of him that hath called us unto glory and virtue, whereby are given unto us exceeding great and precious promises, that by these ye might be partakers in the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. You want to escape the corruption? You want to escape the worldly? Focus your life on Jesus Christ. Focus your life on his world and on his word. And when you do that, you can endure anything. When you do that, you can endure the good times. You can endure the bad times and still remain focused on Jesus Christ and still have access to the promises that come through him and through his blood. And when we do that, he becomes our motivation. He becomes what we live for. Philippians 3 and verse 7, Paul once again, but, but what things were gained to me, those I counted for Christ, I counted loss for Christ, yea, doubtless. And I count all things but loss for the excellency of the knowledge of Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things, and do not count them but dung, that I may win Christ and be found in him, not having mine own righteousness which is of the law, but that which is through the faith of Christ. The righteousness which is of God by faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being made conformable unto his death. See, Paul's motivation was not the world. Paul's motivation was Jesus Christ. And he says, I gave up everything, but I count everything that I gave up as worthless because I have Christ. And the hope that's in Christ is so much better than what any other thing could offer me. Paul's motivation was Jesus Christ. And that's who he lived his life for. And when our motivation becomes Jesus Christ, we glorify Christ in everything we do. In every aspect of our lives. In the way we think, in our actions. We glorify him or we seek to glorify him. In Psalm 115 and verse 1, he says, Not unto us, O Lord, not unto us, but unto thy name give glory for thy mercy and for thy truth's sake. The key here is that it's not about us. That it's all about Jesus Christ. And it's all about our service to him. Hebrews 13 and 20 says, Now the peace of God that brought again from the dead our Lord Jesus Christ, that great shepherd of the sheep, through the blood of the everlasting covenant, make you perfect in every good work to do his will, working in you that which is well-pleasing in his sight through Jesus Christ, to whom be glory forever and ever. Our life is all about serving God. When you become a Christian, you are giving yourself to Jesus Christ and his service. We become a living sacrifice. When our motivation is what he did for us, when our motivation is the fact that his blood covers our sins, when our motivation is that we want to go live a life in heaven, an everlasting life with him in heaven, we're going to seek to glorify him in everything we do. But what we have to understand is that living by hope can only come through Jesus Christ. Living a true hope a hope that we can count on can only come through Jesus Christ. Psalm 118 verse 6, he says, The Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do unto me. We don't have to fear a thing when our motivation 
when our reason, when our priority is Jesus Christ. Matthew 5 and 12 says, Rejoice and be exceeding glad, for great is your reward in heaven. There's no better motivation than that. There's no better motivation than living a life, an everlasting life with Jesus Christ, especially when we consider the alternative. So when we look at this verse, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I hope it uplifts us. Uplifts us. I hope it's something that gives us focus, something that directs us to understand that no matter what we go through, whether it's good, whether it's bad, our focus can be on Jesus Christ. And we can have hope in the fact that he died for our sins. We can do all things. We can endure. We can make it through. And what a wonderful message that is. Thank you for listening to today's sermon podcast. If you'd like to know more about this subject or any other Bible topic, send us a message at our Facebook page, The Church of Christ, Wheeler Area.